And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 284 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, August 12th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and the guy who fans thought would be the next host of Jeopardy, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I feel bad for LeVar Burton, because I know how much he I feel bad for all of them. I feel bad for all of them. You know what? You know what's so funny to me about this whole thing is... So you know who it is, right? You know who got named. There's two. There they got the Mia, uh, Mayim Bialik, Bialik yep, from, and uh, and from the many many years Big Bang the- shows, including yeah. uh, Big, Big Bang Theory. Bang. It's great. mostly you got it? yeah. And then uh, the producer picks pick the, themselves. I mean, right? Exactly. What's up with and, that? And you just I, I, this is what I'm saying. It's like who 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 asked you? <laughs> it's like it's like it's like well, what's the equivalent understand. of that is that like if you are the owner of the new york yankees you pick all the yankees to make the all-star team or it's or no, it's that you equivalent would be you're the team. owner of the yankees and you pick yourself to be starting pitcher that's right is what that that's is exactly yeah. right it's sort of like brewster's millions yeah with richard Pryor. oh yeah he's a yeah bought, didn't he buy wow. the team and then he became the pitcher of the team uh, is that Brewster's Billions? Yeah. That's what he wanted to do. I know yes, it's, absolutely it is. I know it's the plot of Heaven Can Wait. I mean, if you want to really date ourselves with movies, Warren Beatty. Um, that's a good movie. Heaven Can Wait. Do you that's remember a, that movie? Oh, yeah, that's a remember? good movie. That's, now that's we're really dating movie. ourselves. We've just yeah. lost any Gen Z that we had last yeah, week. That's right. Well, we threw I'm telling you, Brewster's kids. Brewster's Billions and Heaven Can Wait. Yeah, kids go... <laughs> Go find on Netflix or Amazon or whatever your streaming platform of choice is. Go find both of those movies. But Heaven Can Wait is a great one. It's, 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 I mean, there's some great actors in it. And it's, it's funny. It's really fun. Charles Grodin is amazing in it. He just passed away. I mean, it's, it's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, he was awesome in that one. And then, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I remember just to get on completely off the topic, but. Brewster's Millions, I think at the time, he had to spend $1 million in, I think it was 30 days, to get $100 right. million <laughs> right. or something yeah, like that. That's right. And, but he could, right. at the end of the 30 days, he couldn't hold any assets. That's right. And that's when he bought- He should like, have just bought NFTs. Well, yeah, he should have just bought <laughs> NFTs. No, 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 no. Those are assets, Robert. You, you would well, end up with assets. Well, You'd have to- actually, Are they really? Real, are they really? You could are do, they really, though? You could buy an NFT and then you could burn it. Then you would then you would literally have nothing. But back to the you totally distracted yeah. me off the point. I, I, yeah. Do you know how difficult? I mean, that is so difficult. Remember, he bought this the upside down stamp that was worth like I don't know hundred whatever hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then mailed it. And then he mailed it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyways, people are gonna say, Joe, you got the whole thing wrong. But I, I love that that movie. Anyways, back to your Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very disappointed because I thought Lavar Burton would be great. The people obviously wanted him. A lot of people wanted him to be fill that role. And who doesn't remember reading Rainbow? I I grew up on Lavar Burton, so oh, it's it it would have been great. It would have been it, he 
he is the closest thing I think to you know a Alex Trebek in terms of you know a natural progression, right? A natural sort of you know who should follow Alex Trebek as the captain of Jeopardy, and it, I think Levar Burton is a perfect perfect person for that. I mean, he's you know he's he's been about education his entire life, and yeah, and he's got a very soothing voice and very great demeanor. Um, it would have been it would have been great. I, I was I was rooting for him hard. But interestingly, did you see his ratings were some of the lowest of the uh, of all of the people that they paraded out? Oh, his well, ratings were among no, the lowest. I didn't, I didn't see the whole ratings yeah. thing. So that's what they said is that people just don't want to watch. I don't. I didn't see anybody saying that. I didn't see anybody saying that. What I saw was sort of two separate stories. Was one he didn't get it, but then two. It wasn't. It, they weren't drawing that as a conclusion, but they were commenting that his ratings were really low. Okay. Well, you know, what is a big pile of poop? <laughs> I'm sorry. We're, we yeah. should explain that we are recording this at a time that we have not recorded since whenever. I mean, this is this yeah. is prime time for you. So this is what four o'clock in the evening for you. I just finished nine holes in 90 degree weather, 100% humidity, and I played horrible. So I'm I'm a little cranky. So yeah, that's and I got. I got up at 4 a.m. and have been on an airplane all day. So, so yeah. yeah, so but th- I think we should tell people that you and yeah. I saw each other a couple we days did. ago in the real first life time in, 18 in real months. life. First time in since Feb since January no, I think the first time since January of 2020. That's right. Because yep. you came in, we the last saw time. the Office on Broadway production. Remember that? Was that? Oh my gosh, I yeah, do remember that now. Yeah, you came in, we yeah. had dinner, the whole That's thing. That's right. We went out, we took, yeah. took my two boys out and uh, and did, uh, did the Broadway show, which was, it was just okay. Well, you and I said yeah. it was a solid B-. minus. That's right. That it's been eighteen months. We had a good time. We had it's a good time. Months. Yeah, and 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 where did we see each other? But at the wonderful Drew McClellan's Baba Workshop event, which is Build a Better Agency. He runs his uh, agency management institute to bring all these agencies together to talk about best practices and all of that. And I saw you. Uh, I saw our pal Jay Bear. I saw Carla Johnson, Paul Reitzer. Um, my friend Kathy McKnight, I'm so so many people. We got to get we got to see in person in real life. And you you were the opening keynote first day, and I was, I was. the close the was. closing keynote. So this old marketing, yep. were the were the the two bookmarks or whatever. What what is that? Book holders. What are the holders? Bookends. 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 Book I yes. don't know what's going on, and I'm not. We on bookended right the show, now, and just, just and 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 I will say when both of us brought up the show, it was like cricket it was just like, <laughs> i think no one listens to our show in that audience well no because no, we no. were like there yeah no, absolutely because i so first of all this event was supposed to be may of 2020 that's and right it got canceled multiple times and finally drew was able to hold the event which i think we need to talk about actually being at an event so that that yeah well i'm happy to talk about my business travel experience well, because you, you should but yeah. i was going to say before you get there I did a book signing for The Will to Die. So because Drew was nice enough to buy books for May of 2020, that yeah. was the book I had out. So I'm doing a yeah. book signing for a book that 
you know, is a year and a half old now, and I have already had another book out by then. But people did come up to me, and they said, Joe, I love the podcast. And I had to say, which one? Because I have two. I, I oh, do have two. Well, but they all special? said, yeah. this old marketing. And they love yeah. Yeah, they, they love listening to us. They say they get no educational value out of it, but sometimes we're Good. interesting and fun. And I said, that's fine. That's, that's what all, the whole thing is about. Care about. But let's, yeah, let's talk about your travel experience. So what would you, you haven't traveled 18 months. It's a long time, especially because you. 16 months to be accurate. But yes, that's months, exactly right. 18 months. Yeah. Thanks for correcting me. You Go bet. ahead. Tell your story, <laughs> bad boy. Well, you got? here's what I would say. <laughs> you know, I, I it's funny because, uh, you know, and I actually posted this on, on Facebook because this, this was my first trip in 16 months on a plane, etc. And if I wanted to be brought right back into, so just for the record for any of you new listeners who who aren't aware my average travel in a year pre 2020 so say 2019 or 2018 was around 225,000 miles every year i mean i'm on the road a lot and so i got pretty good at it and so the first thing that happens to me is 4 hours before i'm supposed to take off to go to chicago United, hi United, uh, they cancel my flight just four hours before I'm supposed to take off. So I'm in the middle of a workshop with a client when I get this text, sorry, your flight's canceled. We'll let you know when you've been oh, rebooked. Geez. And, and you I'm have speaking to speak, the next day. Yes. Yeah, I have to be there for that day because I speak the next day. There's no, you know, there, there's no not going. And so I'm in the middle of my workshop and I try and get it all sorted out. And I get myself rebooked literally in the workshop, dusted off the old, you know, rebooking travel food that I am really good at and got myself rebooked, get on the plane. And uh, it's late, of course, there's weather in Chicago. What else is new? It's August. And we circle the airport for an hour. So I don't roll into Chicago until right around 11 o'clock, almost midnight. Now, Fine. That's that's not the way you want your first business trip in 16 months to begin, but there it is. What I've noticed is as I'm traveling, and this was sort of a, I don't know, a wake-up call or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's just sort of a reminder of this, is that we're not anywhere near being back to normal when it comes to travel and and you know, the amenities you would expect, right? The world is broken right now with this staff shortage, with, uh, with restrictions, with everything that's going on that everybody just doesn't know how to do. Um, and it was amazing to me. I mean, you know, it, it, we, I went to a major hotel chain. This is where the event was being held. You know, the, the hotel is ostensibly not there, right? I mean, you can go and you can stay in a room, but the restaurant's closed. The things aren't open. They close early. There's four, you know, people, you know, and I'm not blaming the staff. They're doing the best they possibly can here. It's just a fact that it's broken. I mean, it's just not working. And by the way, we and don't want to air- give this away, but it rhymes with carryout. Yeah, that's right. But I'm not going right. to say who it is. Go yeah, it's, it, 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 yes, that's exactly right. It's Schmeriot, yeah. Uh, no, and, yes, you and, got you know, in. So you're there, you're hungry. It's 11 o'clock, oh. 12 o'clock, whatever it is. And you or t- tell the, you ordered food. 
I ordered food on, so I ordered ordered food on the way in because you, when when you have this app now, the the Schmeriot app, you can actually order food that is you can pick up or have delivered to your. And it's the all night thing, right? So you know the choices are limited, and they always have been, right? It's you know it's a quesadilla or it's a you know a side of fries or a pizza or salad or something like that. So I'm like, oh yeah, quesadilla, boom, and I'm like, hey, I'll be really smart here. I'll order something and I'll just pick it up on my way up to my room when I walk in. And if, and, and so I'm in the car and, and, and driving to the airport or excuse me, driving to the hotel and I order it up I walk in again, there's two people in the entire like lobby of the hotel that work at the hotel. And I'm, and I walk in in the restaurant to, to the extent that it is one, it's one of those to go places where you can get a sandwich and all that is dark and closed up. And I'm like, um, hi, uh, you know, uh, I ordered something, but it looks like it's closed. And he's like, Oh, right. Yeah. You're that guy. And I'm like, what do you mean that guy? And he's like, well here, and he pulls up my receipt that has come out of his machine, I guess. And it says your order came in at 10 08 and they close at 10. And I'm like, yeah, but the app says all night. And he's like, yeah, I know it says that. (laughs) And I'm just, you know, you're, you're left like, okay. Yeah, you, yeah. There, you can't argue. There's what no, are you going to do? There's, yeah. no, there's nothing yeah, you can there's, do. There's nothing you can do but say, thank you. And then what? And I turned around and went to bed. Just, you I, went and I, went to bed hungry, basically. I did go to bed hungry. And it's just all, it, all of those things, you know, sort of aggregate together to say that right now, any of you who are about to take your first business trip... Uh, you know what they're saying you know th- which they always say you know you you like i i know you all because i did it you know you sort of give the side eye to the tv when they go give yourself some extra time at the airport you know you don't you don't ever give yourself extra time you know exactly how long you're supposed to do to get there you know exactly how to run the you know marathon between tsa and the gate you know how to do all that and you know exactly the minutes and no trust me give yourself some extra time Give yourself some extra grace. Things are not working like you thought That's they right. did, and and it's and and you know honestly, I, I for me, other than seeing my really good friends that I haven't seen in a long time, I, I quite frankly could have given it a big skip. What was so odd is, as you know, uh, my wife and I were waiting for you because we were hoping to catch a drink with you. We didn't know when you were yeah. going to come in, and we're sitting there. 8.30, we got down there about 8.30 p.m., and we're waiting, we had a beer and whatever, and we're, you know, we're checking in with you to see where you are, and I think that's when Pam said, you know, do you need us to get you some food? I think they're closing things down. Right. Yeah. It was 9, yeah. it's 9.15 p.m. in Chicago, the bar is full, like more right. than full, busting out full, and we're in a table in the corner, and the waiter comes by and says, last call. And we're like, I literally thought he was joking. I'm like, last call? This in the Schmeriat Hotel? Like, this is all, it's <laughs> right. all you're always right. open. You have people that are ready to order drinks. There's people coming in. They want food and drink and whatnot. Last call. I didn't know if it was for that day or whatever, but it happened the next day as well. So they're closing yeah. up early. I can't imagine how, and by the way, at this hotel, if you want, just a regular 12 ounce beer you're spending probably $12. Right. So you're there there's this is high margin business for them 
And I'm under the assumption that they're they're doing it because they don't have anyone to work. Uh, or they're yeah, unlimited. That's my, that's my assumption. Chips. Here's the other thing. You, you know that we took the whole family. We did a whole family vacation. We went to Muskegon, Michigan. By the way, Muskegon, hats off to you. I love your town. We will be back. I absolutely love the vibe of that, that town. But, but near Muskegon is Michigan's Adventure Park. We went to that theme park. We took the ferry over to Milwaukee. Uh in the in the rental car we had then we went to six flags north of chicago then went into chicago we're we're there and i was actually thinking well i've got my speech on tuesday but you know there's so many great museums in chicago i'd love to take the kids to one of these museums and and bore them to death yeah no all museums in chicago are closed on tuesday now right because they're not because they just don't have the workers to fill except for the zoo yeah because it's the zoo and the animals it's amazing. It's, are always work. It's amazing. I mean, you hear about this stuff and then when you start of experience it, it's it, it just it it brings it really home. I mean, I have a friend I was telling you when I saw you, I have a friend who lives in Bozeman, Montana and, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm sure there's not a lot of this old marketing fans in Bozeman, but but what he was telling me was he said all of the restaurants there have made a deal with each other that they're open every other Saturday because they don't have enough wait staff and bartenders and busboys to actually staff all the restaurants in Bozeman. So for Saturday nights, they all sort of split it up and they all work at different places. And I mean, it's, it, it's weird out there, folks. It is weird, but I will say that, the people that were there, I, I would, I think the word would oh. be, they were grateful to be among human oh, beings. Absolutely, and you could feel. Oh, it. yeah, the, you could feel the excitement. You could. By the way, we went. The event every, was fantastic. Everyone, I mean, let me be very clear: the Drews event was like top notch. Didn't hear a complaint. Uh, no. Hats off to to Drew McClellan. Hats off to Kelly Wetzel for meeting demands. Who ran that event? Yep, she was of course outstanding. For those of you that don't know, uh, Kelly used to run content marketing world events for CMI. Fan, no, nobody's better than Kelly, so it That's was right. it was top notch all the way. I do want to mention because people are probably wondering that in order to speak or to attend, you needed to be vaccinated or fully vaccinated, full yeah. vaccinated, or you could uh, submit a negative uh, test seventy two hours prior. Which right. I, I heard that there weren't that many of those there, so almost everyone was vaccinated, uh, and they're you know they're the people were getting into it, they 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 really were, um, and there of course there were some people worried as well because I haven't been around people like that, you haven't been around people like that, no, so we're trying to deal with it. But I did want to bring up something marketing related, uh, just about the event space. So we're going through a real weird period. So, so right now, if you for a physical event, you really, if you had your physical event in July, you were really lucky, right? Because now in in August, we're in that period where Drew was probably like, do I keep it? Do I not? Whatever. He went ahead with it. Good for him. I think it worked out. I think it was the right decision. But you and I are both seeing events in September cancel yep. because of, you know, the vid as we go. So it, it's but I what I wanted to bring up was one of our close friends mentioned to me, and he said we're seeing the, we're going to see the death of events the second time around we're going to go through it again events are going to go away people are going and I totally disagree with that 
Oh yeah, I disagree events. with that too. Yeah, there is so yeah. much. The, what was so funny is all the the gratitude that people had there for just. I mean, it it was palpable when the event started. How much energy was in the room for people just to be there for the music to come up and Drew to take the stage and to you know in, say hi and welcome to everybody. I mean, people were giddy that there was an actual physical event happening where they could go network yeah. and learn and work with each other and learn from each other and discuss and actually you know sit down at a table and talk with each other. It was. Yeah, that, no, they're not going well, away. And, they're and you know this. I mean, away. you you and I, we 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 created. Uh, we were part of the team that put together content marketing world, and we always talked about the fact that it, yes, of course, we want first class education, but the event is all about networking. That is the number one reason people go to events. Is of course oh, they have sure. the excuse that oh I'm going to have these great sessions, and they are. You know, no no doubt about it. Drew session, great sessions. And we can talk about some of those if you want to, but but really what it comes down to is I met people there that I would have never met, never bumped into, n- never sat next to at breakfast. All those things that happened and those relationships I now have, you can't get online. You cannot right. get. They do not happen this way. Uh, the the kind of the serendipity that happens at events. So that's that's where. Um, I mean, that that's that's kind of where we built Content Marketing Institute, you and I kind of going out, talking about content marketing, meeting with chief marketing officers and marketing directors and talking about this stuff that never would have happened online only. So yep. that's where I think that. Well, and funny and, and funny enough that when we get to that, I'll, it'll, it'll be a little bit of my rant later on in in the show it is it talks a little bit exactly to that idea. Well, good. I won't I won't spoil that. But you had uh, yeah. I loved your presentation. You're a pro. Oh, thank I mean, you. you. First of all, your slides are impeccable. <laughs> they always are. They're so much better than mine. I hate you for that. But you <laughs> stepped on stage like you'd been doing this your whole life. You never missed a beat. You never would have known that you hadn't done it for 16 months. So, so hats well, off. That's to very you. kind. And, of and you. a very, very kind of you. And it's right back well, at you. In a very solid. It was a. It was a solid lead up because you were you were talking about how agencies really need to understand this thing called content marketing, first party data, the importance of it to the entire business, and that they have an opportunity to take advantage of parts where marketing directors go wrong, which is strategy. And you and I yeah. and I use this, I've used it a couple times since then. You basically said, and you've said this many times, but content is is everyone's job, but nobody I think when nobody owns it. Nobody's in charge of right. it. Right. Nobody it's everybody's job and nobody's strategy. Go. Nobody's strategy. Yep. In it, most which is true. And that's what you said is these yeah. agencies, which are mostly small and mid sized agencies, can come in and be that strategic arm. And you exactly. you had some great graphics about the fact that, you know, if you're in strategy and measurement, you're fine. If you're in strategic guidance, you're great. Those are the places where you want to be. And if you're in the middle on creating content, you are in trouble. Yep. That is the place right. you don't want to be, right. which is... You are as good as your last blog Which, post. by the way, the presentation yeah. after you from Paul Reitzer was about the future of marketing and, and um, AI, which basically said <laughs> most of that content right. creation stuff in the process is going away anyways. Yep. So that was... That was interesting. Yeah. And you and and then yours was a, a great way to end the day because, of course, we talked about, you know, your journey with CMI and selling it and... and how they how how they 
my, my favorite part of your whole presentation. So folks, he gets up and he talks about CMI and basically multiple lines of revenue and owned land and rented land and all the things that you've heard on this show a million times. And he puts it all together in this wonderful narrative that talks about CMI. And at the end, he goes, so... Yeah, basically, you don't want to be in the agency business. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> you know? I, I did. I did not plan for that. You and I talked about it beforehand. Yeah. Just you said, right. just tell them yeah. not to be agencies. I said, like, I'm, I said that's what right. I'm telling them, but I, I'm not telling them that. I can't right. say that. I mean, it an, just came out, and then it just I came said, out. I'm at an agency conference. I can't tell them not to be agencies. But it, the way that it, it was right. set up, I said, I said, okay, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be in the agency <laughs> business. And then I stopped myself and I said, no. I guess I am saying that. I guess I'm saying that you shouldn't be in the agency business. And then I saved myself because I said, no, you are doing God's work. You are all doing that got a big laugh. You are all doing God's work. But the whole point of my presentation was because I was talking about selling your agency. And as you know, if you sell a services business, you don't get high multiples. You'll get, you know, for for a middle of the road agency, you might get one or one. 1.5 1.5 times net income. Uh, if you're an outstanding agency, maybe you can get to three or four if you're lucky. But if right. you go to other opportunities that we, you know, if you build an audience and then you can start a subscription business or an advertising sponsorship business or an event conference business, those multiples are much, much higher. So I, I That's said, right. what if you added to your services revenue line, which you should do because smart, innovative businesses diversify their revenues then you could add these other lines that are have much more um favorable terms for buyers and you open yourself up to a whole bunch of different buyers than just other agencies so yeah yeah that was uh that was a fun present i've never done that presentation before obviously i've talked about some of the same issues but never in the vein of look at you want to build an audience because if you want to actually have wealth if you want to retire with something, you might want to start thinking about pivoting the business. Yeah, and uh, by the way, you would have never known you, that it it was like a story you you just slipped it on like a, a comfortable slipper. It was yeah, it was it was flawless. I enjoy well. You and I both. I love being on stage. Yeah. I just I just love the fact that I'm talking and everyone has to listen. It's yeah, just, there's that. <laughs> and nobody interrupts me. There's nobody nobody it's, asking me for money. Uh, there's It's just me talking. <laughs> Nobody's asking me for money. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm talking about my kids, actually. No, yeah, I understand. Exactly. So, I understand. Yeah. So, but it was, yeah, it was a good, it was a good time. I know we, you know, we probably at some point should get to some, some news, but I think it's, well, we have one story that we need to talk about because it's huge. It's a breaking news story, but yeah, it's, 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 but other than that, it was a slow news week. So we're, we're, we're good, but, but yeah, we have, we do have one big breaking story. Okay, yeah. We, and, and, and we can absolutely talk about that, but I guess I, is if we want to wrap this up with some learnings, I would say one, yeah, that's one, right. uh, tra- if you're going to travel, you, it's, it's not the same, right? It's definitely different. It's not. Two, the event business, we don't know where it's going to go for the next six to 12 months, but long term, it's going to be fine. We, but we, you're, yes. we're, we're in rough seas. Like if you think that you're okay for your event in November, I, I don't, honestly don't know. I honestly don't know because 
I uh, was talking to a couple of the big name speakers that were at the same venue that we were, and they've already been had cancellations for September, October. So I don't want to, you know, I'm planning on going to content marketing world. I know you are too. I think that I think yeah, that that's definitely going to happen, no doubt. But there are some corporations that might get a little, um, you know, itchy about the whole. Oh, there's definitely going to be some corporations that put the hammer down on travel yeah. and and all of that. So there's so, yeah. that, and then. What's the other thing that agencies should, should get out of the agency business? <laughs> get out of the agency no, business. No, and by the way, those, yeah. yes. those people are so nice. Everybody was so nice. Oh, it was, it was lovely. Just, it was, it was just, just great amazing. people. It yeah. was great so, people. It was, it was good times. We'll be right back. Starting a business can be overwhelming. And a great way to make it simple is to go step by step. The Dot Online Business Academy offers simple, easy to follow, and completely free courses to help you find a business idea, create a business plan, build a website, and more. The short videos, bonus activities, and resources give you everything you need to take your business up and running. Hosted by industry experts such as Ryan Folan, Jason Falls, and Kim Garst, these courses also come with interesting activities and exciting prizes. For more information, visit academy.get.online. That's academy.get.online. And now, back to the show. All right. Let's get us to this main, wonderful, big, breaking story here of the news, because we do cover the news here on this show uh, occasionally. Um, and uh, like I said, this one, this one, I mean, literally hit yesterday uh, as, we were, as we were at the event. Um, funny, it didn't come up at the event itself, but, but uh, so... There are many, many uh, places that are covering this. Um, we'll point uh, our little browser link when you hit the show site uh, and the notes to Axios, uh, which the headline is exclusive here. <laughs> Not exclusive anymore. Um, Salesforce enters the streaming wars. Uh, this brought back so many memories of you and me talking, Joe. I just, it was amazing. Um, the article opens up by saying Salesforce is the latest tech giant to venture into video streaming with the launch of a new service aimed at business professionals called Salesforce Plus. Of course it's Salesforce Plus. Of course. Uh, the company's chief marketing officer, Sarah Franklin, tells Axios. The service is part of a greater effort to transition Salesforce's marketing approach from a paid customer acquisition to owned and operated media. If only there was a word for that. <laughs> um, Franklin says that the hope that is that the content will help people refine their skills while also creating an emotional connection to Salesforce, driving users to want to use our products and want to engage more with us. Again, if there was only sort of a term that it described what that is. Uh, Salesforce Plus will begin to debut globally during Salesforce's annual mega conference, Dreamforce, in September, and uh, which is a free service initially and will feature original programming from Salesforce and eventually content created by its clients. The content will be available on demand 24-7, but also feature live event programming starting with Dreamforce. The company has hired around 50 editorial leads to help launch the service, including script writers and broadcast producers. It plans to fill many more editorial roles in the months to come as it builds up to its programming slate. I'll tell you just quickly here, because I want right to totally yep, get your yep, take yep. on this, Joe. I, I will say this. I, first, so full transparency and disclosure, Salesforce is one of my clients and has been for uh, 
four years now. Um, so I'm familiar with many of the people over there who are making this happen. I didn't know about it. I had no inside knowledge of this as happening. All I knew is that some of my friends over there were saying, yeah, something, something's coming. You, you should pay attention because something's coming. And I thought it was something with Dreamforce and here it's this. And I will tell you, this is gonna change the landscape over there for their marketing. It's gonna change the landscape for what they do. It's they're they're going all in on it. So it's a it's a thing. It's a thing. And and there's I I'll say this without I'm not modifying or or you know, sort of going afoul of any NDA or anything. Just watch this space because they're gonna be act let's put it this way, Salesforce is gonna be actively trying to launch this thing in a in a way. So, you know, if you're a media company, you may want to, you know, you know, just keep your eyes open. It's interesting that this article says that they are moving their marketing approach from paid customer acquisition to owned and operated media. Of course, this is... Which they've been doing for some time, by the way. This has been a goal of theirs for exactly, a couple of years. But I've never seen an article say it. I've never seen an article yeah, really focus I've never on seen this, one say I said, yeah. this. No, neither have I seen the CMO actually say it. They're real. So yeah. And so so first off, I mean, obviously, great move. You and I thought this was, if I if I remember correctly, you and I thought this was going to be LinkedIn, Microsoft LinkedIn, correct? We predicted it. We predicted. We you know, really thought we that this it. thing, this idea that Salesforce just came out with, almost yeah. to a T, was going to be yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. We, 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 when LinkedIn bought SlideShare, you and I had this conversation in an airport somewhere Years where we said, God. oh, that they're, yeah, uh, 2009, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there, they, they bought uh, SlideShare. And we were like, ah, B2B YouTube, there you go. It's going to happen. They're going to they're gonna launch an online content network service, and this is going to be it. Didn't happen. Then we thought, oh, they're gonna. They're, LinkedIn is the perfect one to do this with the acquisition of uh, the online learning platform. I, I always forget the name of it, but um, their online learning platform gonna be it. And then it just didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and we just—it was weird. Yeah, this is going to change everything. This is especially yeah. since it's coming from a B two B company. You are going to. You have other B two B tech companies right now saying. God, I we missed it. This was supposed to be us. Oracle's doing the same thing, right? Microsoft is obviously doing the same thing. They're like, we have missed the boat. What are we going to do? We need to play catch up. So you're going to see a lot of M and A. This is by by Salesforce and by other companies trying to catch up. Now, what I love about this, if you read through what uh, Salesforce is saying about this. I think their intentions are correct. They're basically saying that we believe if we create uh, an ongoing relationship through the use of content, we build loyalty, they know, like, and trust us, they will become better customers. One, they are saying this in this release. If you read this over and over, they're absolutely saying this. The second thing they're saying is that if we do this correctly, Salesforce will be a more valuable company. In and of itself, yeah. because oh, of the valuations I mean, that's, of yeah, media right. properties these days, like a Netflix, like a Disney Plus. Why? Like, look at the example of Disney when the pandemic hit. You would have thought that Disney, because they weren't, they couldn't run Dis, uh, uh, Disney World anymore or Disneyland or any of their event properties, that it was going to take a bath. No, they didn't. You know why? Because Disney Plus saved them. 
because that's the value in that organization now. That's what all the investors are looking at. Salesforce is saying, oh, yeah, I mean, of course, they've got a great valuation already as a B2B tech company, but you add this on and you start adding subscribers and then it's just going to come down to what do what what's the behavior change in subscribers and how are the how are they going to spin that i know how i mean in and of itself if they have ongoing subscribers and good viewership they can spin it a lot of different ways probably in more uh more salesforce customers uh, Salesforce customers that stay longer, Salesforce customers that buy more, new categories we never thought of before, new product development, wh- whatever, right? So this is really good. Second thing is, or third or fourth, whatever it is, this content better be good. It better be amazing. And it looks like they're investing in it enough that it will be. Uh, but if it's not, this is going to open up a huge opportunity for somebody else to, to take this spot because you are going to, I would say, what's, what's your prediction? What do you think, Robert? Do you think in the next nine months, Microsoft or somebody else will launch the same thing as a competitor? Not in the short term. No, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see there may be, I don't think any of the big major competitors do because I think they're going to take a wait and see. I think they're going to look at this and say, do we, you know, let's, let's see how they, how they do with it. Because I think just to your point, there's probably some healthy skepticism or about whether they can execute against this, whether they can actually do it. Um, and so when you look at the oracles and the Microsofts and the, uh, Adobe's, uh, you know, they will, they will look at this and go, Eh, let's just wait and see um, unless they already have something in the works and they're just, you know, second, you know, second on base, but then who knows, but I don't think anybody responds to this by, by doing it in the short term, in the long term, I think I, I, if any company that I know can do this, Salesforce would be the company that I would put my money on to bet that they can do it. They can actually get the good content because quite frankly, Dreamforce is programmed very well and is huge. So they already do a good job of programming a, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's in the thousands of hours of content for Dreamforce. Cause they already, I so, mean, they're going to launch with a hundred hours of new content. Not even. Oh yeah. I mean, they've, they, they've got, they've got so much content already that they could plug into this. Um, that would be good. And we're not talking like just, you know, you know, top 10 reasons you need to deploy a CRM system in your house, right? We're not talking sessions like that. We're talking like great, inspiring keynotes from Colin Powell, Michelle Obama, you know, all the people who have spoken at, um, at, uh, at Dreamforce in the past, all those keynotes, amazing keynotes that they have, amazing sessions from CEOs of, of huge companies that are providing tactical you know, and strategic business strategies. I mean, they've got they've got amazing content in the can that they could launch with, and to your point, are going to launch new stuff. Uh, one of the things that I, I I love about this is so somebody hi James uh, James Gardner, who's friend and family of the show, sent um, sent over a link that was uh, it's a magazine called I guess Protocol. I've never heard of it, but but basically, it's a very snarky article that covers the you know. Um, this this launch and the article's theme is basically you know 
you know, oh, just what you asked for on a Friday night, you know, when you want to sit down and watch Netflix or Amazon, Salesforce, you can watch the Salesforce channel. How boring, right? They're like, oh, B2B, it's, you know, ridiculous. There's a line in there where he, where the article goes, yeah, you know, basically Salesforce's customers will watch this, but nobody else will. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's okay. It's like, that's the point. That's okay. They have 500,000 customers. So 500,000 customers multiplied even by two. Like just there's two people at each customer, right? That's a million people who could, you can make a million people work that's, that's, on, a, on a streaming well, platform. Well, that's where a lot of the consumer publications don't understand the, the mechanics behind a business-to-business company. You, you right. don't need many companies. I mean, you and I That's have right. both worked on content marketing programs that were for less than a hundred companies. Like you would send out something That's right. to less, like you know, two, three people at each company. Yeah, let's do a program. Let's do a book program. Let's do a magazine. Those things have been done for a long time because it's not just one consumer paying you know nine ninety five a month. This is a customer that has a million dollars plus in buying power. That's what a lot of people miss in a lot of cases. So that's yep. what, and that's why the yeah. by the way, this can be free. Why are you? Why would you even? Why would you even charge a hundred bucks a year for a service like this when you just need one sale in every twenty people? Would more than yeah. pay for it, <laughs> right. right? So it's 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 uh, you know. Basically, what they've done is, you know, and I know we both sound like a couple of fanboys here, um, but what they've done, which I've been screaming about forever, and by the way, to them, that they needed the 24-7, 365 version of Dreamforce. That was sort of my mantra every time I met with somebody at Salesforce. Oh, my God, you guys should take Dreamforce. You know, by the way, Dreamforce is the biggest technology software event on the planet. It's, and, and that's held by a software company. Um, you know, we've done our own estimates to say, if you just value Dreamforce as a company, it would probably be worth near yes. a billion dollars. And, and, and you don't and even so, realize the amount of sponsorship they get to pay for all oh, of it. It's in, oh, they could it's, make it's, so yeah, much money I mean, on that event if they decided to. They don't have to at all. And they and they and by the way, they do make a lot of money. I mean, you know, if, you know, it's it's in the tens and hundreds of millions of dollars that they make on on Salesforce to cover some of those costs. They spend a lot more than that, by the way, because they basically take over San Francisco for the week. But um, if only customers watch this, if it's if they only are limited to customers, this thing is going to be a, a, a an amazing success. And that that's it's they've taken it and built the vision and said. Oh, you asked for a 24-7, 365-day-a-year version of Dreamforce? We're taking it a step function better than that. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna turn this into you know, an, its, own, its own content network. I would, you, you are probably right. The last comment I want to make is this. You're probably right yeah. with the fact that you'll have a lot of chief marketing officers at big tech companies, mostly because they have all the cash right now, take a wait-and-see approach. That said, we all know that there's a land grab for audience right now going on. 
it is a thing. CMOs know about it. You know, you had even this article mentions HubSpot buying the hustle and, uh, you know, the skim is looking to sell to a non-media company. Uh, you know, smart, you you even mentioned in your presentation about Salesforce buying, you know, CMO.com and they're already in this March. So I, there, there might be enough pressure built up already for a move like this to happen. And again, I'll say this, and I said it in my presentation, the reason why you will have, and I don't want to call them reckless investment decisions, but I'll say maybe more aggressive decisions like this, it's because it's there's no use sitting on cash right now. And Salesforce has a ton of it, a ton of cash oh, God, that they yes. are sitting on. And so is HubSpot, and so is Oracle, and so is Microsoft. I mean, Apple has something like half a trillion dollars in cash that they're just sitting. I mean, they can buy half of all the media properties on the planet with that. Yeah. So just think about what, what get ready for this thing to unleash. Salesforce is doing it in, um, in a very strategic way, it sounds like. But we could get very close, Robert, I think, to a lot of... Uh, kind of what's happening in the nft market right now a lot of like hey i don't know how high this thing is going to go we got to buy now like we haven't reached bubble status at this point you have a lot of demand for this we you and i've been talking about this for 10 years and we're finally at a point when all the stars align and the cash is available and the budgets are expanding that something like this is going to happen so i wouldn't be surprised that inside that six to nine month period that you talked about that i i think that you will have a couple of these crazy announcements that they're going to compete head to head against the Salesforce in this manner. So, yeah, agreed. And, 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 and look at it this way. This is, this is another, uh, you know, uh, another way to look at it, given the lens that you, even in your presentation at, uh, at, at, at Drew's event, you take it, you take an asset like Dreamforce, which is really seen by wall street, I'm sure as a loyalty marketing campaign. And so it's looked at as a marketing cost. I'm yep. sure it is. I'm sure that's the way that they see the 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 you know the, the profit line there. And so you turn this into an asset of a product. You turn that into a digital content product. You change the valuation. You you change the valuation of of the cost and uh, revenue lines of that uh, of that uh, entire area of the business, which gives you a higher multiple you know, as an, as an, as a company, which starts to justify a little more, perhaps when you've got, you know, a, a, a over, you know, maybe somebody would say, okay, well, if you look at their PDE ratio and you look at the stock price, it's kind of overblown right now. And it's probably overvalued, but this is the kind of move that helps to settle that down. Because when you start thinking about a media company versus a marketing cost, as where that money is being spent versus, you know, so all of a sudden the costs look like investments and the revenue looks like actual mm-hmm. revenue. So it, it changes the game in terms of the way that you see the accounting of something like a quote unquote Dreamforce event. Well, I don't know. I think two people wrote a book called Killing Marketing that said oh, the I marketing know. department I is know. going to become a profit center. We, we, yep. The original title for Killing Marketing, by the way, was Marketing Profit. Yeah, it was going. Right. We were talking about the. That's the one McGraw Hill really liked. They they really loved said, that. We title. said it was not flashy enough. <laughs> no. We have to kill something. 
Let's kill it. Uh, remember how hard we fought for that skull and crossbow? I still so, think it works. Yeah. I don't know if ultimately we sold more or less by calling it killing marketing, but I sure like it. But regard, regardless, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is we are seeing it. We're seeing everything we talked about happen. I mean, it's going to be a long time before a lot of companies get that, but hats off to Salesforce for being the first one through. And they'll probably be get bloody. The first one usually is, but... I hope that I hope yeah. they're indeed successful. It sounds like they're putting the investments into it to create this kind of quality content. By the way, if you're a content creator and you target enterprises, uh, you you should be sell, you should be contacting somebody there and selling your your company to them because they'll probably buy you. Well, <laughs> I I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but yeah. You should think about it. Now it'd be the, hey, would you like this podcast? We will get some good terms here. Or if you're thinking about a really good show, now is the time to pitch them on it. Or if you have a really big video production capability that you can actually put things together for, you know, big networks. And, you know, you're just looking for that. You know, you're the execution arm of, you know, I'm just just saying, hashtag. Yeah, exactly. So. There you go. All right. You know what we should do is just, you know, we're just going to leave that story to hang there. Just to settle. Just to take a breath because that's worth covering all on its own. And we're going to jump right to rants and raves. We're going to go right to rants and raves where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like Salesforce launched the validation of our existence. (laughs) Or... Or something that makes us feel like uh, LeVar Burton hosting Jeopardy. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I, I can go, go first, first, but it was more. It's it's just a um, a realization that I had from being at Drew's event again, uh, build a better agency, and what I noticed more than anything else, and we we know this from being a content marketing institute when you get to talk to the community, but now I've had a chance to I've, I've known about Drew's community at Agency Management Institute for a long time. But I didn't get to interact with the people there where I finally did. And know what I realized is, and you probably saw the same thing, these people will go <laughs> run through a wall for him. They would literally do anything for him. I, uh, it's, it's hard to express how much loyalty there is because of Drew's ongoing content, the ongoing conference calls that he has with them, his podcast, his book, uh, the platform that he's ended up building. And it makes the case that if you were going to do anything, if you were going to launch in any area, this is how you would want to do it, by becoming the, a, a guide, a helper, the informational expert in an area, and then go ahead and, and launch those products. And I, and I love, by the way, the sponsors of this event were great. But again, they had booths, and they were sort of interrupting at this conference uh, they fit in really well. No, no problems there. But again, I'm looking. I'm I'm doing my book signing, Robert. And I'm signing away, and I'm seeing these people work really, really hard to sell their wonderful software solutions. And in the back of my head, and I probably shouldn't think this way, but I'm thinking, you could have all done or could all do what Drew is doing right now yourself. So you don't have to buy a booth and stand there and pitch as many people as you do and, and have the drawing for AirPods and whatever, by the way, which is great. Not any, I, I under, And I, I'm not against advertising. I'm not against sponsoring at events. But I'm just saying I really believe that the easiest way to do it 
is to build a loyal audience that knows, likes, and trusts you, and then you can go ahead and launch anything that you want to. And um, I wish more people would do that. And and I guess the other thing is you have to. And this is what I realized after my speech, and I, I'm sure you got a lot of feedback on yours. I I, I didn't. You did not. Actually, okay. Well, I didn't. Yeah, well, no. Yeah, I didn't. Well, okay. What, whatever. I can't. I can't help you. I I did have you, a couple. It was I had different a because I was actually doing yeah. a, a book signing, and I I had to, to. I was forced to talk to people, so I I had to I had to do that. Uh, <laughs> right. But what more and more people came up to me and said how hard they believe it is to build a loyal audience. And I, and I have to say, it is. It is hard work to do that. It's not impossible. It's not rocket science. It just takes... Well, it's not it's complicated, not complicated. Work. It's just it a lot of work. More than yeah. anything else, it takes... You need some kind of differentiation. You need to deliver consistently over time, and you need lots and lots of patience. You do yes. those three things, you can do that. So while you are doing the interruption and sponsoring things and getting things off the ground or whatever, which is fine, we have to, you know, uh, we have to we have to sell all the leads, not just you can't just get all the Glengarry leads, right? You have to sell all of them. Right. So until you get all the good, all that stuff done, first start working on the process. So everyone listening to this, I I don't it's time to just not settle. We just have to, this is, it just reminded me, of course, being in person, how powerful when you build a community like this, you really have the flexibility to go in all kinds of directions with the business model. Uh, Drew is in a great position. I'm sure his next event is going to have twice as many people there. Uh, and to pull 200, more than 200 people in this environment for a very small event was unbelievable. So what they've been able to pull off and so I guess I would just, you know, hats off to him, but also people, you know, get your act together. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, I love the meta nature because you're basically, you, you told Drew's audience, stop being you. <laughs> and now you're telling this audience, stop being you. <laughs> it's like you, gotta, you have to change. You have to change, Jerry. You have I, to I change. Just, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's because... I've been doing this too long. Like literally, yeah. you you and I, I mean, I don't know when you considered the year that you started to make the transition to content marketing. You've always had this in your brain, but then you started to go out and pitch this stuff. They, I Oh, I had, I, I, in fact, oh, here, okay. So, so I can tell you because my good friend Kathy and I, guess where we had our dinner? In Chicago. It's where you and we I had our dinner at the exact I place. Yes, and I, I said, "Well, I want to go have dinner there. I, I want to go have dinner there." And that's where we had dinner. That was in 2008, uh, 2009. Sorry, 2009. Thought about it. Was it 09? Was it 08? Was it 09? I. Oh no, it you're right. 2008. Yeah, it was 2008 because then yeah, we started working on the our first project in 09. Yeah, that together. The, the, yeah, in 09. That's yeah, right. that that was the day. I'm sure some people have heard this before, but you know, I was going to give a presentation on content marketing. Nobody was talking about this stuff in in 2008, and I go to this event, Scott Abel's event, and I and you're doing a presentation on content marketing. I'm like, right. I'm like, okay, he's stealing my thunder. Like, I'm the content marketing guy. What's going on? <laughs> right, right. I'm doing this, but I, to to date. I mean, it's been 21 years since I've been in this industry. 2000, I started in custom media. And it's it's just how hard we've worked all these years. And 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 I guess what 
why I'm now such a fanboy over the Salesforce thing is because it's nice to see it's, it's nice the vision. To see it it's the vision realized. realized. Yeah, it's the vision right. realized. This is what we always thought was, it's when, going, where it was going to happen, and now it's finally happening. Twenty-one years later, it's crazy. Yeah, it's the vision where a mainstream company is making a big bet on this and saying the words out loud. Right? They're not saying that this is some weird advertising te- campaign that they're experimenting yeah. with. Blah blah. Yeah. Right. They're launching. A thing. They're launching a product. They're launching, uh, yeah. It's just it. The vision realized. All right. Do you do you have a rant well, or a rave for yours? I do have a quick. I have a. Uh, it's a rant. More, I guess more or commentary more than anything else. It, it and it feeds into something we were talking about very early in the show. The 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 story that we'll link to. Uh, I just came across. It came across my inbox, and I just you know it was like one of those where you sigh. You know, so it's it's you've heard me rant about the work from home and the remote work thing before. And, you know, the headline that the show will link in the show post, of course, is big tech lost the work from home battle. Now newsrooms should give in to less meetings, more email, more audio. And the article basically goes through and makes a case that uh, that Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Uber, Lyft, all of these have, you know, sort of given in as the article positions it and sort of, you know, given up the ghost as a, you know, to the the demands of the populace, you know, it's like the French Revolution and they've given in and 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 now they're giving in to work from home and they've all sort of said that, you know, everybody can work from home now and the, the employees won, basically. And then his main point is that, you know, newsrooms should start doing the same. And I just, I don't necessarily disagree with the facts that they use to support that angle of, of the, you know, that, that it's actually happening. I don't deny that work from home is actually going on and that people are actually wanting it. The populace, the general sort of, you know, every survey that seems to come out these days seems to support the idea that most people would rather, in certainly in the information business, um, there are certainly, you know, some other, you know, careers that obviously don't have the luxury of, of being able to work from home. Um, but what I really want to just caution us all on both the hiring side of things, our, you know, the owners of businesses, the employers of the world, as well as the employees of us and the ones who work for companies is we really, really, really need to not look at this as a war because that's not going to get anybody anywhere. And whenever I see and I talk to senior executives at these companies, the Googles, the Amazons, the Microsofts, the Lyfts, the Salesforces, the Hewlett Packard, the, you know, the IBMs, all, all of these big companies, it's not that they're sitting up in their white tower with a cat in their arm going, wah, we're going to make everybody come back to these offices and put them in slave trades, you know, and whips and chains and all. It's not that. It's definitely That sounds like that. Jeff Bezos. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't say that. Yeah. yeah there it is. <laughs> Just kidding. What it is is that they're trying to figure out how to do this in the right way. They're trying to figure out how to do this because it's not like this work from home thing just came up in 2020. It has been around for 20 years. They've been trying to sort this out and the pendulum has swung back and forth. There are definitely good, productive, wonderful things that happen when you have an employee base that can work from home. Productivity goes up. 
All sorts of things, happiness can go up. The ability for people to manage their own business goes up. All these wonderful things happen, and employees are rightfully going, yay, these are wonderful things that we want to keep that we got during 2020, and we want to keep that. But there are also bad things that happen. There are also bad things like loneliness and the and, and being cut off from the community of your of your company and overwork and the ability that if you're not trained to manage a remote team, your boss could basically screw up your entire career by being unable to manage a remote workforce. There's a lot of complexity built into this shift, this transition. And as it starts to happen, we should just all be conscious of that. Because as we start transitioning, there are going to be unintended consequences if, quote unquote, the employees win the war and they all get to work from home. Things like, hey, have we thought about what happens when that overambitious person who networks with everybody in the office and gets really great starts getting promoted over the people who work from home? The culture shifts so that the in-office people are now treated a little better than the work from home people. How do you deal with that? It, it, is it right? Is it wrong? It, there's no good answer there because neither is a wrong answer. It's just two approaches to the work. But one of them may start to become more clicky and more popular with uh, executives and may start to see up a career ladder. Is that going to swing back the in-office work? Or are we going to start seeing revolts from the employees saying, you're, you know, you're abusing the at-home employee? What if the reverse happens? What if people who work from home all of a sudden find themselves overworking and they're getting promoted in more readily fashion? And all of a sudden, everybody starts working from home to try and do that, and it starts to damage the business. It's just a, it's a very complex issue and one that's not going to get solved in the next two months. And so I'm just, my rant, I guess, if I have one, is these over-the-top headlines of saying that, you know, we've got to fight for the employees' rights and big tech is losing the work-from-home battle and we should be glad that they're losing that battle and we should just go forward pell-nell into the breach is the wrong message. And, 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 and I just hope we get a little bit of take a breath and look at this in a sane way because there are some really good things that can happen out of this that we can evolve into and innovate into, but it's going to take some thought. Lots of different ways to get there, right? You can't. The, the, yep. And regardless of my rants uh, earlier today, there are there are all kinds of ways to do business today. There are full virtual businesses. There are mixed businesses. There are all in person oh, sure. businesses. There, there, and they all can work. Depending on, and they I just, yeah, I, I don't I mean, like I've how somebody's old oh, media companies have to media companies must right. like, uh, I hate right. the ones that say every, like, uh, oh, uh, um, New York times has to move away from their advertising model. Why? Why do they have to do that? Why do they have to do that right. when they get 25 million, uh, whatever in, in revenue per quarter plus, like that's a really good revenue stream. Should I just give up on that? What? What? No. It's it's just part of it's part of a really solid business model. So, I just yeah. I mean, it's it's starting to happen now, right? I mean, I talked to one business owner at the event we were at, who said, "Hey, I, you know, in January, I basically gave a, sent out a note to all the employees saying, basically, it's your choice. You can work from home or you can come into the office. If you come into the office, you need to be vaccinated. But if you can come into the office." What I really would need from all of you is just when, like how, how much do you think you're going to use the office? Overwhelmingly, it came back, oh, we'll probably be in three days a week. 
th- you know, we'll, we'll all be in, you know, like three days a week on, on average. He said, here we are eight months later. He said, nobody's going in the office. He said, nobody goes to the office. He said, so I'm thinking about killing the entire office. So like just kill, no, kill the office and go fully virtual. He said, but I don't know that that's the right answer. He said, because as soon as I take it away, maybe they're going to come back and go, oh, we wanted the office. We need a collaboration space. We need a place for, you know, getting together. It's just, you know, it, it needs to be, we need to think through this in more than just a survey monkey poll. You know what I mean? It's, it, it needs to be thought through. That's my only uh, point. I think yeah. the, the, the uh, theme of this show is it's still crazy times out there. And we can't yeah, necessarily jump. There's, yeah, your title. There's your title it, for the show. Because we can't jump into anything today. Because right now we don't live in, what the reality we live in, we don't know how long this is going to last. We really don't. We're going to take some things and move forward, and some things are going to go away. We don't know yet. So. Yeah. Done. All right. Well, you're back at home, and what happens this week? Well, a lot is happening in the Polizzi household because we have two children that are leaving for college. Holy smokers. So we've got one leaving next week and one leaving the next week. And that's it. And then... And that's and amazing. Uh, you know, my wife and, and, and my life, it's over. We're done. We got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> done. No, we're throwing Just a party. We're going to do all kinds. Yeah. Of, we're going to do all the things. We're going to do all the things. No, nice. we're, we're, I'm very excited for, for the kids. We're just, it's, it's kind of um, challenging to get them ready to go and think mm. about things they have to pack. And they're very nervous as well. They don't talk about it, but you can tell. This is a big deal, especially after the, yeah. the year. Oh, it's of, a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, so they're going yeah. to be out amongst the human beings. So it's, but yeah, I'm yeah. very excited for them. So we're, we're doing all, all those things. So what do you have going on? Lovely. Lovely. Uh, you know, here's the thing we, it, it, as we, as we enter the sort of dog days of August, um, we are coming around the bend of a very busy time if you've heard me say for the last few episodes of how much client work we've had um and you know it started the 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 bulge in the snake i guess if the that's the right metaphor is starting to we're starting to get to the end of that and and you know starting to look at some new projects and starting to new look at some uh, other things and Really feeling good. Really feeling good about the summer and, and you know, thinking about content marketing world here not coming up too long from now and um, other things and sort of, you know, sort of getting ready for fall, I think. And and also have to just say, so glad football is back. I'm just yes, I'm, you got I'm, to see I'm your ready. I'm excited. Game. I know it wasn't any starters, I did. But it was football. I did. Yeah, it was football and I'm just ready to to rock and roll on that. So so all in all, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty damn bullish, bullish, my friend. Going into the fall on all fronts. There we go. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that is it. Feeling bullish on everything else and feeling bummed about the uh, Jeopardy host, but that's it. We're signing off. If you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes or dive into any of the other 283, that's right, 283. Can you believe it, 283? We're going to hit 300 before the end of the year, folks. That's kind of amazing. Uh, Just head on over to our wonderful little website called thisoldmarketing.site. We want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering the thisoldmarketing.site. And if you want your own .site domain, get over there and get your own .site domain. Until we meet again, just remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.